Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 29 of the Unified Rules of Podcast. Hey, Edmund, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm in pretty good spirits. Today's been going well so far, and I'm looking forward to this episode because, and this was the thing that I was saying saying to you off air, I feel like the, the dynamic of this conversation is going to be a lot different than what happened last year when Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling fought each other. <laughs> I feel like it is not going to be as back and forth as it was last year. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for those people who didn't know, these guys fought last year. And we also, we did an episode on it. Yeah, we, we our UFC 259 prediction episode. I mean, I I guess for some pretext we should probably talk about what happened at ufc 259 well based on it's it's interesting that you're saying that because i listened to both our prediction episode and the reaction episode for 259 that we did last year and one of the things that you said in the reaction episode was the fight played out basically how you thought it would sterling's gonna start fast but over time jan will figure him out using his boxing, wrestling, and conditioning to his advantage and wear down Sterling. So I listened to, like I said, I listened to the prediction episode just to hear what we both kind of said going into that bout. And then I watched the fight and I was thinking, huh, this is basically what Edmund thought would happen. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, you called it. I mean, hey, I feel like with the dynamics of this podcast, the way it kind of goes is that if they you you fill in the technique stuff and then I'm kind of the facts encyclopedic stuff. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's our dynamic. I I don't know. I mean, you you know some technical stuff too, man. I, I do, I do, but but I do I do turn the floor over to you whenever there's things that I don't know or I'll admit that. And I feel like I feel like with regards to striking, honestly, Edmund, I feel like you have a way more of an understanding and knowledge of that than I ever could. And yeah, I mean, I, it, that's just my take on it. Oh, thanks. No problem. No problem. But that was one of the things that fascinated me about it was that you kind of called it. it you, you made a prediction about how the fight was going to go. And then it played out that way, really. Well, here's the thing in regards to Peter Jan. He kind of fights the same way every fight. He's just really in-your-face, aggressive, bulldogging you. And he has the chin and the body to take that punishment, but he also has good defense and pretty good counterpunching and a good amount of power to back that up, too. Every time he fights, he's just like a bulldog in front of you, and he's just hunting you down, chasing you down, and beating you up. And that's, a, and I'll just say this, that's a very on point analysis, just because when I've, I've looked into this as far as his, his stats and all that stuff. And that's one of the things that Dan Hardy noted about Piotr Jan's skill is that he has very good defense. Let's see, talking about how Piotr Jan has this kind of style. He basically says that he walks into range or like him and these kinds of fighters who are like that. They walk into range because they have good defense and they let you work hard. 
And that's something that stands out about Piotr Jan is that he has really good striking defense. And during his analysis, which is called War Room with Dan Hardy, it's part of the full Reptile YouTube channel, that that analysis video is on point. I would recommend listeners go listen to that. But he pulled up this tale of the tape, and this was the thing that really impressed me or just really kind of solidified to me how great Piotr Jan is. He pulled out this tale of the tape where strikes absorbed per minute for Piotr Jan is 4.14 as opposed to Aljamain Sterling's 2.20. But here's the thing. His striking defense... Piotr Jan's striking defense is 62%. So that just emphasizes his striking defense right there. As in he blocks or dodges 62% of all strikes thrown at him? Yeah. Wow. Like like basically the thing is because he has that forward moving style and gets inside somebody's range, that means, yes, he's going to absorb more strikes per minute or he's going to get hit more. But the thing is that his defense basically makes it equal or just kind of helps helps negate the negative consequences of that. Because honestly, it could be a situation where he could have 4.14 strikes absorbed per minute and his defense is a lot lower, which would mean more damage. So I guess the point I'm trying to get at is that his his striking defense is so good that he can do that kind of style of just closing the distance. I I think that's amazing that when he pointed that out, I was just like, holy shit. <laughs> now, I guess in their upcoming fight, I'm assuming you've changed your backing to Peter <laughs> Yan, huh? Like- yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's the kind of the funny thing because in case people didn't listen to our episodes last year, you remember this, Edmund. I was big on Aljamain Sterling. And oh yeah. And and I, and he, sorry, go. I, I, I think like that episode, at least to me, it was like one of the biggest times where I felt like, what? How can you bet it like to me, it was just so <laughs> night and day. I was like, why are you rooting for Aljamain Sterling? Like on paper, I don't even think he's going to come close to winning. And I remember you're like, no, I think he's the dark horse. I think he's going to do a big which, upset. Which is win. funny. It's funny that you have that reaction because at the time when we did the episode, you kind of respected my choice a little bit more. You didn't think it was that outlandish back then as you what you're kind of saying now. I think it's because we saw the fight and how... That's exactly what I was thinking. How almost one-sided it was until the illegal knee happened. That's the thing about it is that uh, that's exactly what I was going to say. Now that we've seen the fight, that's why you may have that opinion now. Yeah, of course. I mean, I'm biased because I know the results of the fight now, of their first (laughs) fight. And yeah, just hindsight's 2020 in this case. It's almost insane how you could like back Aljamain Sterling again. But I mean... Hey, I made I made a solid case for him, and like no, listening I, to the reasons yeah, that I had, yeah. I had a good reason to think that he could have won that fight. Yeah, I mean, of course, I, he is the far better grappler. Man, I'm trying to even think anything else besides that. Yeah, 
which 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 okay so when you're saying the better grappler you're talking about aljamain right yeah of course he's okay, the guy okay. who's like a former wrestler yeah black belt in jiu-jitsu under matt sarah yeah under matt sarah yeah i mean the man has a really good grappling pedigree i guess and i know i remember first time coming into this I was coming in with the mindset of, okay, it's a classic striker versus grappler matchup. Okay. See, see, that was just really quick. That was one of the things I wanted to clarify. I was listening to the recordings and you said it was like a wrestler versus grappler. Did you mean that it was a wrestler versus striker matchup? Oh, yeah. I Did I say that in the original episode? Yeah. I mean, it was just a, a flub or Whoops. just a mistake. So. And the only reason I'm asking is because, like, I, I heard that in the recording and I was just thinking, like, was that a mistake? Did you mean, like, wrestling of Piotr Jan versus jujitsu of Sterling? Or did you mean wrestling of Sterling versus boxing of Jan? Yeah, I, I, Piotr Jan's definitely a striker. Okay. He might know some wrestling here and there, but he is almost a pure striker. Just the way he fights. Look at the stats. It's like yeah, yeah, and his it, striking defense is phenomenal. Very few grapplers are that competent in defense in striking. I would say it's it's interesting because I looked, I I did a better job of looking at Piotr Jan's background, and I am seeing that yeah, he did start boxing at a young age and became a master of sport in boxing. But here's the interesting about interesting thing about Piotr Jan, even though he doesn't have that wrestling background, he. It, He's, I mean, his his statistics for that are really good. To go back on that chart I was telling you that kind of like solidified how good Piotr Jan is to me, his takedown accuracy is 61%, and his takedown defense is 89%. He, uh, honestly, doing this research, it made me think that Jan kind of has that GSP-esque quality to him in that he's very good at wrestling, but he doesn't have a wrestling background. 61%. What was that statistic? Takedown? Takedown accuracy is 61%. And take what does down, that even mean? Takedown accuracy? It means that whenever he goes for takedowns and is actually successful with them, that means he's successful 61% of those times. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, and then takedown wow. defense, which is a fighter shooting for a takedown on him and he thwarts that effort, that's 89%. So 89% of takedowns attempted on Jan don't work. Yeah, that's that's really impressive considering, like you said, he's a guy who doesn't have that much of a wrestling background. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's pretty solid. And... I, I guess I guess maybe this might be a good time to make this point that I kind of wanted to get across or just kind of state one of the things I was thinking about going into this episode is that with regards as far as why my opinion has changed from the the first fight to the second fight, which, yes, I'm probably going to go with Piotr Jan in this one this time, uh, just just given how everything sort of turned out, I'm probably going to go with Jan. But the thing about it is that if, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's like, 
if Aljamain Sterling actually ends up winning, the reaction I'm going to have is just going to be, damn it, because I'll think, I just changed my pick, but I should. it's sort of one of those things where maybe Aljamain can do it, and he actually will, but because I doubted myself, didn't trust my instincts, I went with Jan, or because I'm going with the the the, the popular opinion, I'm going to go with Jan. So it's, it's just going to be one of those things, man. Your instincts still give Aljamain a chance? I'm curious on that. Well... That's a, first of all, I will say that is a very good question because I don't know. I guess it's one of those things where I'm just thinking, what if Aljamain is actually able to do better in this fight? Or what if Aljamain is actually able to, for instance, control his energy a little bit better? And one of the things that he said that may have affected him for the 259 bout was that he didn't eat a proper meal before the bout. So I'm wondering if 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 Aljamain has a better idea of what he needs to do as far as energy or how to fight Piotr Jan and he doesn't commit that same mistake of not eating before like last time, can he do better? I feel like Sterling can do better, but the informative part of me is thinking Jan can also do better and Jan will do better. You know, it, it basically it may be a possibility that Sterling may do better in this fight, but also Jan is going to as well. Oh, no. Okay. One, eating a meal before a fight. There, there was a <laughs> clear difference between the stamina of both fighters in that first fight. And Aldermaid Sterling wasn't even close to matching the pace of Piotr Jan. Mm-hmm. So you're not really buying into that whole, oh, because I didn't eat anything before my bout, that's why I didn't I do well. Yeah. Reasoning. I, I don't I don't buy that. I mean <laughs> sure, I guess, but he's a professional who's competed most of his like life because he did wrestling before, jujitsu before. It's yeah. That's just my opinion. But second, I mean, I guess. The main thing here is just, for me, it was just the pace that Piotr Jan just kind of worked at. He was, round one, he worked at a certain pace. Round four, he was still working at that pace. And Where, in contrast, for just real quick, to add to that, with Aljamain Sterling, round one, he had a lot of, he, he had a very high output. But then, as you could tell by the end of the bout, he was tired. And right. Of course, you're going to be tired for that because you're putting on a high pace. But uh, I don't know. Maybe there's some exceptions to that rule where they could keep that type of pace from round one through round five. But that wasn't Aljamain in that instance. No. And yeah, he was definitely tired by that by the end of that bout. Yeah. And I think if Aljamain Sterling is going to win this somehow, there's no way he's going to outstrike Pewter Jan. So it's going to have to be a wrestling match and he's going to have to go in there in the clinch with Piotr Jan, take him down. And once on the ground, just keep it there for as long as possible. And I don't, one, I don't see him submitting Piotr Jan. And Which is two, also what my other point, he's going to have to somehow stay on top and grind it out and eke out a decision win 
against Pierre Dujan, which again, I really don't see happening. Right now, I'm playing devil's advocate. Let's but say Aljermaine Sterling was going to win. How is he going to do it? I don't see him doing a first round or second round submission. I think that's what he was trying to go for in the last fight, and he wasn't even close. So that would mean he would have to take it to decision because he's not going to knock out Peter Jan. Yeah. Okay. So he's going to have to clinch. He's going to have to somehow take Peter Jan down. And he's going to have to somehow stay on top for five rounds. And that is, in my opinion, that is Aljamain Sterling's best case scenario in winning this fight. And I just do not see that happening. Considering, listing the stats you just said, Peter Jan has an 89% on takedown defense yep like crazy that's which which to provide a little bit of context since these guys have fought before aljamain sterling their first fight he only got one takedown out of 17. yeah wow that's that's five percent i mean yeah it's been a year. He could improve, right? That's... I mean, yeah. Th- 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 see, that's kind of the thing that kind of doesn't make me go full throttle Piotr Jan because I'm just thinking, I guess I kind of already have said it, but I'm just sort of thinking, what if Sterling has what it takes to actually win the bout? I mean, there's been a lot that has happened since that bout as far as, at least on my end, hearing what commentators or analysts have had to say and the first fight happening as well as Piotr Jan's fight with Corey Sanhagen that have significantly changed my opinion about that. So it's just, I, I don't know. I guess I guess maybe the easiest way I can put it is that I'm not entirely throwing out the idea of Aljamain winning. <laughs> I see group. it as like very low percentage. I mean, he's going to have to improve his wrestling and clinch work by a lot within the span of one year. And also, Aljermaine Sterling hasn't fought since Peter Yan last year. Yeah, He hasn't fought anybody. I think they were going to have the rematch earlier last year, but then... Yeah, they were going to have it at... Yeah. yeah, they were going to have it at 267 in October, but then he had to pull out because of injury to his neck and all that stuff and that's how the Sanhagen yawn fight happened and that was for the interim title so now this one will be for the unified bantamweight title and that's another thing that's making me give the edge to Piotr Jan a little bit is because of that long layoff I mean I'm not a big fan of fighters taking a long time in between fights and I just feel like it hurts their chances for winning their next bout. I mean, that's not always the case because there have been exceptions to that, but the fact that he's coming off a year layoff, that doesn't, that can't help him all that much. Yeah, and I need to look into it more, I guess, but I don't think he's made any significant changes in his training. I, I don't think he's changed training camps. I think he's still with the same team, same coach and everything, right? Yeah. So... It's like, is his performance going to be that much drastically different than his first time around? He might have more stamina 
he might be more active, but I don't think we're going to have like a new, new Aljamain Sterling. That's just a totally different beast than what he was the first time around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see that. I mean, I wonder if it's just like, maybe we'll see a better version of Aljamain. But at the same time, there will be a better version of Piotr Jan, which I don't know if that's what you were going to get into or what you yeah, were going to say. Yeah, basically. Because like, here, sorry, go ahead. He's not going to be leaps and bounds better just because I don't think there's a big enough shakeup in his training that would lead to him just being like a totally different fighter than what Piotr Jan is expecting. And what he faced the first time around yeah yeah because honestly something that i think people don't take into consideration is when they look at rematches a lot of times i i feel like and maybe that maybe other people have different opinions but a lot of times when rematches happen we kind of think from the perspective of a fighter who lost okay they can do better than they did last time but i think an important thing that we really need to take into consideration is the fact that the fighter who won the first fight can also do much, much better in the rematch. And here's just, I'll end on this real quick and I'll let you respond. The one really good example that comes to mind is Kamaru Usman, Jorge Masvidal. The second time, Kamaru did way better than the first time. Yeah. I mean, I think Kamaru Usman and Masvidal is a great example. And I think I I just I just don't see it in this situation. I just I see Peter Jan being better and improving. But yeah, like a year layoff plus an injury and nothing really significant happening, I don't see Aldermaine Sterling being significantly better to really give Piotr Jan a big enough challenge this time around. Yeah, yeah. And I guess something that's kind of influencing my change of opinion is that the first fight happened and now I saw what Jan could do. And basically it's along the lines of even with all the stuff that Aljamain Sterling had going for him or all the things he did well, Jan still had a good response to that, did extremely well, and was winning the fight himself. And honestly, that's the thing about this last year, is that my opinion about Piotr Jan has significantly changed. Yeah, I mean, if we take the first fight as an example, I pretty much had Piotr Jan winning every round. You could argue maybe not the first round, but after that, he was definitely in control, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the thing about it is that that was sort of along the same lines of what I was saying is that the first round, it seemed competitive and was doing well, but then it all just went downhill from that because just Sterling couldn't keep the pace and Jan had his attributes and his skills that he was using. However, I don't think it was quite as much of a annihilation as people make it out to be i don't think no basically the opinion that i have about it is that yes jan was he was definitely taking control as the fight went on 
but it wasn't just a total annihilation. Aljamain Sterling, he was still putting out in, he was still putting out effort or he was still trying and he just wasn't completely out of it. I just, I just don't think it was as much of a blowout as people are making it out to be, or at the very least, it's not as much of a blowout as I thought when I originally saw it in March of last year. I agree. But we also have to understand. There's a, but you think there was a clear cut winner in that one. Obvious, yes. And yeah, he didn't totally annihilate Aljamain Sterling. But I think that's kind of how Peter Yan fights. He's just at that constant pace for the whole fight. Yeah. It's just, I don't think he smelled blood quite yet until that unfortunate illegal knee happened. Yeah. Because, like you said, Aljamain Sterling was still. Fighting back a little bit. Sure, he was gassed, but he was putting up enough of a fight where Peter Yan didn't smell blood to go in for the kill. So yeah, Peter cause... Yan was still working at his nice steady pace that he's just, I guess he's been conditioned to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it, Peter Yan is that he just has that consistent pace or pressure that he likes to put. And he kind of has the style where I don't know, he maybe he like takes I guess the best way I could describe is that he takes a moment to try to figure out his opponents. So he may take a couple rounds to figure out what to do, or he may struggle a little bit in those early rounds, but then later on he starts taking control. That happened with Jose Aldo, that happened in this first bout with Aljamain, that happened with Corey Sanhagen. It's just he has that that adaptability and durability that's just makes him the elite of the elite. Yeah, and even let's talk about that disqualification knee, I guess, again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which to me, it was like he was still kind of slowly working Aljamain in that position until he threw that knee in because I think the moment he threw that knee, that's when he started smelling blood. Yeah. As like a term commentators and fans use it's like when when a fighter smells blood that's when they go in for the kill that's when they ramp it up and they go for that knockout and if you rewatch that incident it's like he's still slowly kind of like peppering Aljamain Sterling with punches trying to find holes in the defense until I guess what people are saying is like his coaches were just telling him to go 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 hit 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 telling him to go for the kill and then I guess instinctively he just went for a knee because I mean some said he didn't know if Aljermaine Sterling was technically grounded or not but I mean I I think I I mean like and I this is something I've thought of re-watching the fight and listening to our episodes that we did before and after UFC 259 is that one of the things we talked about after 259 was just how much of a abnormality this was because we were thinking, how could a fighter make that type of a mistake just kneeing an obviously grounded opponent? And it really is such a rarity that it may have been just a momentary fuck-up that unfortunately had a significant impact because a foul like that is very rare. There may be accidental 
knees to the head of a grounded opponent, but a purposeful one, that's a real rarity. Not just in the case that most fighters aren't dirty or cheat, but also in the fact that, I don't know, because there's that understanding of the rules and they're trained professionals and all that stuff, that also adds into why it's such a rarity. So, like, I guess what I'm thinking is that Piotr Jan just had this momentary instance where for whatever reason he thought the knee to the head of he thought kneeing Aljamain would be fine at that moment but it wasn't and and he made that mistake i yeah i i i saw it as the moment he he just smelled blood and he instinctively just went for that knee mhm I mean, Definitely I, a momentary lapse in judgment thing. So, so like, do you think that he lost focus or just for maybe he just... And, like, here's the thing. I'm, I'm, we're going to throw this disclaimer. We have no idea because there may be some stuff where Jan talks about it, but I haven't seen it. But, like, as far as having my own opinion and all that stuff, I don't know if maybe perhaps Jan just had... just lost his focus momentarily, and that's why he threw the knee. I don't know. Probably, but also, I mean... Aljamain Sterling was just staying in that kneeling position for so long. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if his face is right there next to a knee, probably in his head, he's like, so is it kind of one of those things where like he got excited about it and then it kind of rushed into doing something before thinking thinking like, Oh wait, I actually can't do that. I think that's what it is. Cause you could see him just finding the punches and then he's like, well, I got to finish it. I want that TKO. I want the finish. And then he probably just went for the knee just without even realizing, oh, wait, he's still downed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in that War Room video that Dan Hardy did, he kind of was alluding to the line of, it, it was something along the lines of, like, maybe Piotr Jan was confused about, because he pointed out an instance in that fight where Aljamain Sterling was in a similar position, one knee on the mat, the sole of his foot, like in that crouch down position, and he had one arm on the mat. So what he was sort of, what Dan Hardy was sort of hypothesizing was that perhaps Aljamain, or sorry, not Aljamain, perhaps Piotr Jan was a little confused about if the arm being down, like if the arm was down, is that considered a down fighter? And perhaps he thought, okay, because his hand, the palm of his hand was off the mat, then that meant he wasn't a downed opponent anymore. Or it could have just been that maybe when he threw the illegal knee or threw the knee that was illegal, he didn't realize that that Aljamain's arm was, I, I don't know. I don't it know. It was off the mat. Here's the thing. I, I think... No, but there was a sequence earlier. In yeah, the yeah, yeah. Where, there yeah. was a moment where it was on the mat, but when he threw the knee, both of Aljamain's arms were off the mat, and probably that's where the confusion came in. Because yes, yeah, it's just, yeah. He that's probably kind of... saw, oh, his hands are off the mat. That means he's not down. But I guess according to the rules, if anything other than your feet are touching the mat, you're considered a downed fighter. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like it's weird because some athletic commissions are different. And as far as what's considered a downed opponent, because there are some athletic commissions or in some states where 
if you have your hand down on the mats, that's not considered a grounded opponent. So for them, it's strictly like knees on the mats or something like that. And yeah, I, I, I guess mean, there's, I, I guess there's it's, interpretations, definitely. I mean, I, I guess it's one of those things where, I mean, because like, honestly, the reason why I paused was because I was going to say that maybe Piotr Jan didn't realize, maybe he didn't realize that Aljamain Sterling's arm wasn't on the mat. And no, I, my, my point was, I think he saw his hands weren't on the mat and therefore yeah. he thought that counts that he wasn't down, but he was still kneeling. So technically Sterling was a downed fighter. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know for, I guess, I guess for whatever reason, and I, I think we're both kind of getting at this is that for whatever reason, maybe since Aljamain's arms were both off the mat, which if you look at the video, it's very, I mean, it's pretty easy to tell, but one thing that kind of helps out to tell that Aljamain's hands are not on the mat is you see the blue tape on his gloves. And when they're up at his waist, you'll see, yeah, they're clearly off the mat. So when Aljamain's arms were off the mat or his hands were off the mat, maybe that's why Jan threw it was because he thought, okay, it's legal. Yeah. Side I'm, note. Okay. <laughs> I've just been on too many YouTube comments, I guess. But I remember someone like on a YouTube comment was saying, imagine if Ben Askren took a knee when George Masvidal kneed him in the face for the fastest KO ever. And it turned into the <laughs> fastest KO to win by disqualification ever in the UFC. <laughs> I, I just found that funny. Yeah, anyways, that was a weird little side note. I just remembered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. It's funny because kind of serious, kind of joking. It's almost like, okay, what are the things that Jan needs to do in order to win this bout? Well, watch for those knees. I mean, I'm saying that kind of jokingly because obviously it's more complex than that, but I would imagine that Piotr Jan is going to be a lot more wary of those this time around than last time. Yeah, but I don't, <laughs> I don't expect Alderman Sterling to just come out of the gate butt scooting or no, 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 no. That's and that's and that's the thing, and that's the thing. I'm not. I'm kind of. I'm kind of the opposite of all these people who are on the Alderman Sterling hate train. I'm not saying that Alderman is gonna purposefully create that type of situation. What I'm saying is that let's say they're both fighting. They're fighting their heart out, trying as hard as they can, playing by the rules, or and it's a fair fight, whatever. Nobody's like trying to do something dirty. What I'm saying is that under those circumstances, if there is a situation where, for instance, let's say Aljamain is up against the fence, one knee is touching the mat, and the sole of his other foot is touching the mat, then it's going to be one of those things where Jan might be like a little more, he might be a little more patient before throwing the knee because he doesn't want the same thing to happen like last time. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he was patient the first time around. It was just his jujitsu coach. Yeah, he was saying just punch. And I remember and in the video the story that goes, his main coach was telling him to hit, hit, hit in Russian. Yeah. And probably that just meant like anything. So he just he's like, oh, anything good? Need. I, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, the, there's so many reasons why that foul occurred. And honestly, it just, 
I mean, it's just, it's such a weird circumstance that it may have just been one of those things where, I don't know, maybe we're trying to be too critical and analytical about it, say, why did it happen? But it may have just been one of those things where it just happened. Yeah, I think it's just like a one-time fluke. I'd be, I'd be surprised if something like that ever happened. Well, I, I guess we, I shouldn't say I'd be surprised. There was that weird stretch where it seemed like Every everybody was breaking event. their legs yeah everybody was like <laughs> breaking their shins so. yeah i mean like i i think what you're getting at is that like i'd be surprised if we see it again so soon after that yeah everyone just starts kneeling and getting kneed in the face i don't, I don't know no no i mean i or, or i was saying that it's it might be a while before we see a situation where a fighter's in the same position like Jan is where they just have that momentary lapse and that foul occurs right Right. And, and, and I don't know, to be honest, I feel like maybe if both guys come in improved or if Al Jermaine is able to improve significantly or just maybe improve more than Piotr Jan is, I feel like this could be a more competitive bout than maybe some people think it will be. I think, honestly, some people are sort of thinking that this is just going to be all Piotr Jan and it's going to be domination. But, uh, I mean... I don't know. I, maybe it could be a little more competitive. I'm in that camp where I'm like annihilation. I think it's going yeah, not annihilation, but like it's <laughs> going to be a nice not a nice, but it'll it, be it, a repeat it, of the first fight except without the controversial disqualification weirdness. So, do you think that it's going to be Jan dominating though? I think it'll be like last time. It's going to be a very active first round. And then throughout the whole fight, Peter Jan's just going to slowly grind Aljamain Sterling down with his bulldog fighting style. And yeah, yeah, he's just going to get him. He's just going to get him against the cage and just beat him down. Yeah. Will it yeah. be like an annihilation? I don't think it'll be like that. But I think by the end of the fight, it's going to be very clear that. Peter Jan had total control. And basically when at it, least four rounds. And yeah. and like you're kind of of the opinion that if it goes to the scorecards, if it goes to a decision, then there's not going to be any confusion about whether Jan won or not. No, yeah. I I definitely see Jan finishing Aljamain Sterling probably yeah. in the later rounds. And if you look at Jan's record, he's really got a good amount of decision wins. So mm -hmm. he has the stamina to take it all the way to the end. And if he doesn't finish Sterling, it's going to be a decision win for him. If he is going to finish Sterling, it's going to be, I feel like it's going to be like last time, probably in the later rounds, like the fourth or the fifth round. And he's just going to have probably Sterling up against the cage, TKO by punches, or if it somehow goes on the ground, TKO by punches on the ground in the later rounds which i mean we're we're kind of talking now we're kind of like talking a little bit ahead trying to think okay how this fight may turn out in that video with dan hardy that i keep referencing dan he thinks that in the rematch jan is gonna basically gonna walk aljamain sterling down try to make him tired and the things that aljamain sterling needs to do in order to win is that he needs to find space to keep striking like for instance not let Piotr jan come in close 
and it'll close that distance. Like basically, Aljamain needs to strike from his range and that he needs to control his energy and possibly wrestle, control him and all that stuff. But the thing is, is that he stated in the in his prediction that Piotr Jan, he may start out, he may start faster and be more aggressive in round one. And I saw your reaction to to the Aljamain Sterling thing. Here's the thing. You're asking a wrestler to outstrike a striker. I think that's a very, very big ask. Hold on. I, I don't think he was saying that he needs to outstrike Piotr Jan, but what he was saying in the video was that in that first fight, Piotr Jan, he was he, he was closing the distance and he was closing that range. So Aljamain, he had a high output, but it was because Piotr Jan was coming in close. What he's suggesting that needs to happen is that Aljamain keep that pace, but not let Piotr Jan come in close to him. So then when he's striking, it's because he wants to, and it's not in this like, keep my opponent at bay sort of things. Yeah, but... If Aljamain Sterling is a natural wrestler, grappler, and you're asking him to keep distance and play the striking game, that's, I mean, if he does it and somehow pulls it off, wow, what an upset. But I don't think that would be in the best interest of Aljamain Sterling to win this, just because, sure, he might have the limbs height the build for that but technically he's not that kind of fighter and i don't know maybe i mean he's had a year to work on this and if he's gonna play that outside striking game it could work but i i don't know you're 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 trying to do that on someone who's a master of boxing someone who's outstruck strikers like Corey Sandhagen he won that fight Peter Jan beats yep. Corey Sandhagen and they're both just he he just outstruck Corey Sandhagen who's a good striker yeah yeah I mean it's 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 a tall order I mean uh... I I just don't see that happening I if Sterling wants to win I think he really needs to play to his strengths and yeah, Peter Jan has an 89% takedown defense record, but I, I think he has to somehow find a way to find that 11% chance where he can take him down and somehow keep him on the ground there, which means taking a lot of risky shots and I don't want to say hoping for the best, but just you have to somehow stop that takedown defense with better grappling. I mean, it can, it can be done. I mean, Khabib is just, if he wants to take you down, he'll take you down. And that's because he's a great wrestler who just transitions from move to move to move. So, yeah, I just think that's the only way Sterling is going to really win. Because if he stays active and stays on the outside, and he does somehow win doing that. I, I think it's going to be a very controversial split decision victory that nobody <laughs> is going to really like. Yeah, and that'll cause even more of an uproar. He he would have basically won, number one, won the belt by 
a disqualification and two defended the belt by running away for five whole rounds if he <laughs> if he wins using the strategy you described by by dan hardy and oh man that's gonna be as if the first fight wasn't controversial enough if he just runs away for five rounds straight and keeps the belt that way wow <laughs> that that will have some angry fans but the ufc will have a trilogy i guess i guess so i mean yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but like here's one thing that i wanted to say and like i kind of alluded to it in the beginning of the episode but here's something that i i haven't actually fully gotten a chance to say as far as why my opinion about Piotr Jan has changed. I don't, I don't know if there was anything you wanted to add or the, okay, okay. So so like the reason why my opinion has changed or why I had the opinion that I did about Aljamain doing extremely well against Piotr Jan was that at the time Jan was coming off a win off of Aldo. But Aldo was coming off a difficult stretch in his career at that time. So I thought that may work against Piotr Jan. Now, how it sort of changed is that we're seeing this sort of career resurgence with Jose Aldo. Basically, this career resurgence that he's had, we see that he's still performing at a high level, and Jan had a good showcase against him. He was able to be competitive and eventually beat Jose Aldo. And Aldo is proving to be really one of the greats with him being on this three-fight win streak. And... You know, and once and once again, Aldo is one of the greatest, if not the greatest ever. Some people will argue that. And since Aldo isn't continuing a, a downward trend, it's changed my opinion on Jan's performance. Where basically, it was a competitive fight, not because Jan isn't skilled or as good as people say he is, but because he is great and Aldo still has something to offer. It was a good reflection on both of their parts. So as time has gone by, we have seen that. And to add on to that whole, as time has gone on, we've seen that. The other reason why my opinion has changed is because since then, Jan has fought Corey Sanhagen. He was able to do what he did against him. And it makes me look at Piotr Jan a in a very favorable light. Corey is one of the top bantamweights right now. And that was a fight of the year candidate. So... In addition to all that, now that I've heard analysts and personalities talk about Jan, I really realize how great he is, and just the analysis of his technique has changed my mind. Those are the reasons why my opinion on him has changed. I agree. And then you're just going to be like, you really thought about this, haven't you? <laughs> so I mean, yeah. <laughs> so so to answer the question, I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that your prediction is going to be still Piotr Jan is going to win. And for me, yeah, Piotr Jan for you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay. So for me, what I'm finalizing with is I guess I'm going to go with the logical or what the majority says is Piotr Jan's going to win, but it's just... I don't know. It's going to be one of those things where if Aljo wins, I'm just going to be like, I should have, I should have picked Aljo. <laughs> if he wins, I mean, I, I guess it'll have to really depend on how he wins, but yeah, I, I don't see him being able to run away for five rounds straight. 
I mean, who's to say that he's that's the only way he can win is by running away or you well, know, punch and go. Then for me, where he's at right now, the only other way he can win is just by really working the clinch and controlling Peter Jan on the ground. Mm-hmm. I, I I still don't see that happening. Hmm. But he has a better chance of doing that than running away for five rounds. I don't suppose you have a prediction for Gilbert Burns, Hamzat Shemaev, or Volkanovsky and Chan Sung Young. Do you have a prediction for that? I always like Chan Sung Young just because Korean zombie. What a what a cool name. That is a cool nickname. Because for me, uh, it, it's pretty hard for me to pick Korean Zombie over Volkanovsky, just given me how too. just given how skilled Volkanovsky is. Yeah, I'm picking like, Alex over him. Yeah, if you're asking me off the cuff right now, yeah, I need to think about it. But just straight out of my head, yeah, I don't see the Korean Zombie winning that one. <laughs> okay, is it possible that you have a little bit of a change of opinion, or if you think about it more? You may pick a uh, Korean zombie. No, uh, I, I need to look at the record again. Let's see. Well, Volkanovsky's only lost once. So we can throw that in there that Volkanovsky's only lost one bout in his entire career. And then as far as young, and also he's coming off a 20 fight win streak. And then for Chan Sung Young, he is. 17 and 6 and he's 1 and 1 in his last two bouts. I don't know if that changes anything for you. I feel like it's like another one of those striker versus grappler matchups. Maybe. Although these both these guys are pretty they're a little more balanced in my yeah. opinion, but it's just for me seeing the kinds of skills and how great Volkanovsky is. It's yeah, it's hard a, for me to pick against him. A twenty win fight streak. I mean that's crazy against. Let me see. Wow, Max Holloway. Yeah, Jose, Aldo. Jose Aldo. Mendez. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, I mean, man. I it's it's hard for me to go against Alex Volkanovsky. Hey, man. I I agree. I mean, like I said, off the cuff. I agree with you, man. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because there's a lot of underdogs in this one. And, you know, with the Burns-Shamayev fight, for me personally, I'm probably going to go with Hamzat to win that bout. Although, of the three, because, like, all the three top fights, there's significant underdogs. And there's been questions on social media as far as who's more, more likely to pull off the upset, Korean Zombie, Sterling, or Burns? In my opinion, I feel like Burns has the best chance to pull off the upset of those three. Because I've made my claim as far as Korean Zombie, and then Sterling, he has a tall task in front of him. And I don't know, it's kind of one of those things where of those three, given those circumstances or what those situations are, what they're dealing with, I feel like Burns has the best chance, but he still has a tall order in front of him. Yeah, I'm like, best chance for an underdog, but He's fighting against the like one of the guys who's gonna basically take Khabib's place. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't see. So so it's like what it like basically my stance is like okay if Gilbert Burns has the highest chance, that's still like a ten percent chance. And it's like that. Uh, that's yeah. Not very, 
Yeah, he has the best good. chance, but it's still not good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Basically, he has the best chance to do it, but it's still really unlikely that'll happen. I mean, I don't know if you have that same opinion, or I, I don't know. Who do you think, real quick? No, I'm I'm inclined to agree with you, man. Okay, all right, all right. But I mean, Hamzad is he's. Not only is he a beast, but all the things of the tail of the tape are working in Hamzat's favor, basically. I need to look at the, like the the tail of the tape on the size, but just from what little Hamzat, I've seen... Hamzat, Hamzat is six foot two. Gilbert Burns is five foot eight or five foot ten. Hamzat's twenty seven. Gilbert is in his mid thirties. I don't know exactly what what his age is. The reach is 75 inches for Hamzat, 71 for Gilbert Burns. Jeez, what weight What weight class is this again? This is going to be at welterweight. That's a big welterweight, dude. Yep. Pretty and big. he's, I know he's a hyper-aggressive wrestler. Yeah. Similar to Khabib, where he just shoots, changes, changes, he will work and work and work until you're on the floor where he wants you to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a tall order. And like I said, I'm probably it's going to be Hamzat. Oh, yeah. I mean, given the size, I mean, he, he's like a six foot something welterweight, you said? Hamzat six foot two. Jeez. Well. That makes me want to like lose weight. <laughs> that makes me want to drop down to like bantam weight and I'm just like five ten, five eleven. <laughs> no, man. But I mean it's a stack card. It's very it's gonna be an interesting one to look at. It's kind of fun listening to our episodes from the past to see how things have turned out, how things changed. And there's a part of me that kind of likes it because I hear my opinions about Piotr Jan last year. And I hear that, and it's nice to see the contrast between that and basically now. We're learning and growing. Basically. And the last thing that I'll say before we wrap up this episode, I didn't get a chance to say this in the last one. With the Lesnar episode, it was kind of funny because my brother, he came home, and I was telling him, okay, Edmund and I, we're going we're gonna to record our next episode. And then I asked him, do you know what the episode's about or guess what we're going to do it on? And then he was like, Brock Lesnar. And then I was just like, How'd you know? <laughs> and he's just like, wait, it really is? Because <laughs> I was just asking him, how did you know? He's like, oh, wait, wait, it actually is? I was just a wild guess. I thought maybe somebody told him. <laughs> nice, man. You know what? For that Brock Lesnar episode, I guess afterwards I looked at a couple clips of Brock Lesnar in WWE. Yep. I did not know, pardon the language, Suplex City bitch was him. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it makes how sense can you that be your catchphrase and then not you don't do a single suplex in the UFC? Well, well, I hate that, him even more. No, well, Suplex City was after his UFC career, after his MMA. Oh. Suplex City was when he came in his second run with WWE once he came back in 2012. All right, I take it all back. I'm sorry. No, no, I mean, it's all good if you're not following pro wrestling, then you know, it makes sense, but. Yeah, I mean that was that was a that was an interesting one, and I guess for the record, I'll make a correction on here that Brock had five pay per views he was on that had a million buys, not four. 
there you go. There's your UFC 273 episode. So we talked mostly about the Bantamweight title fight, but there's some good fights on there and gave you some thoughts on the other ones. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have thoughts about UFC 273 that you want to share with us, you can let us know on our Instagram at Unified Rules Podcast. You can let us know on Twitter. Our username is at Unified Rules PO1. Or if you have any questions, inquiries, or anything like that, you can email us. Our email address is unifiedrulespodcast at gmail.com. Take care, everybody. Have a good day. Have a good night. Stay safe.